You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I'm going to start with something completely unrelated, um, but it's good. It's real good. In Deep Creek, Maryland right now, there are a bunch of adults who are gathering together from this church who is Nexus staff. And if you don't know what Nexus is, it's our student ministry here at the church. And I know that if you grew up in church, maybe if you don't know church, and I can't spend a ton of time on this, but I just got, I got to talk about it for just a second. When you think of youth ministry, you might be thinking, ah, there's a bunch of people going and playing around with kids, like having games for them, telling them about God. No, 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 not this group. This group right now is together praying for your kids. There's a group of adults who are meeting together and are pouring into the plans for next year and what God has in store for the youth of this church at Riverside. And I just want to tell you that it is an honor to share with you that we have some of the best youth staff in the world. I really believe that. And an awesome youth pastor in Donnie Marsh. And I will also tell you that I woke up this morning at 4.30 a.m. and left Deep Creek, Maryland, alongside Thor and Dana to be here this morning because I'm excited to share with you a message about good eats. And let me tell you, in the realm of Nexus staff, fasting is a good thing, like abstaining from food and praying to God. As a Nexus staff, man, do we do the opposite. Like, it literally at this place, we were just... I was eating so much, so much food. I was eating so much food. It was so good. It was so good. Everything. I mean, there's no way they're going to finish all that food. It's impossible. It it can't be done. I don't think it can be done. I think I probably gained like 15 pounds on this uh, particular weekend. But I'm I'm the right person to talk about good eats. And, and I, I really don't want to be the prideful kind of like preacher up here, but I got, I got to tell you here, how many of you guys know what Yelp is? Yelp. Okay. If you don't know what Yelp is, it's an app, it's also on the computer, it's a website where people, they go to restaurants and they rate the restaurants and write reviews on the restaurants. And if you do this long enough and if you provide a certain kind of caliber or quality of review and you do it a lot and check into different places and if you, if you amass a certain kind of following, and someone recommends that you become a certain kind of status, and if the people who work for Yelp recognize that status and think that it's worth it, they will assign you the stamp, the honor of being Yelp elite. Don't even, no, no, you don't have to. I'm I'm just telling you that I am, in all of my humility, a Yelp elite, which means I go to different restaurants and I eat at them and I harshly review them and I take pictures of plates of food and all kinds of things. And why do I do this? Because there are Yelp elite events, which means I get free food. <laughs> literally, that's the only reason I do it. I don't think I'm, I know anything. Like I literally just wanted free food. But I bring this up because whenever you read Yelp reviews, there's always a lot of pictures. Pictures are really important. But when you are looking at the different pictures, you will notice there are pictures of menus constantly. 
There are pictures of menus to restaurants. Why? Because people want to know what kind of food is offered at this place. Is this place worth me going to based on the menu? Does this menu look appetizing to me? Does it look appealing to me? Does it look like there's something good on that menu? And the spiritual correlation here is that we are presented every day with all kinds of menus that claim to have the best thing for us to consume or to take in. The best life available to us is, is written on all kinds of menus, which begs the question of, which menus are really the best for me to go to, to look and, and to find the things that I should be taking in? What, what, what menus should I, be, should I be approaching or intentionally seeking out? Or which menu, singular, should I be going? Is, is there a menu, a particular menu, that if I go to that menu, then I can eat the best kind of food for me, if you see the analogy here, that will help me to grow and to thrive as a human being, the way that I was designed and meant to live? Is there a good menu? Where's, is there a menu that will actually hold the kind of food that will satisfy me? Those are questions that, that, that you need to ask, especially when you're, looking, when you're looking, when you're looking for that kind of a thing, like life fulfillment and things of that nature. So when you go to restaurants, you gotta look at the menu. You gotta look at the menu. In the Bible, it speaks to great lengths about where to go and where not to go when it comes to, to menus. And really, when I was studying this and thinking about this, God, I believe God's got a word this morning. I believe that, that God, he wants to direct people this morning. I believe God wants to bring to the forefront of our minds this morning a reality that exists, that there is a menu that we as people, we can go to and that we can find life, that we can be led to life in a good kind of life, that there is actually some, some good eats out there for us as people. But there are really just, if you could boil it down, there, there are really two kinds of menus. Spiritually speaking, two kinds of menus, and one is a massively broad, like, like umbrella statement. In an umbrella menu, that doesn't even make sense. It's a massive menu that has like all kinds of menus like underneath that. Working this analogy, this is going to be good. And it starts with James chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Here, here's the thing about God. I love this. There is, God, he recognizes the dignity within people. He establishes it. There's inherent value within people. There is no greater person other than God. There's no greater being other than God who looks at people and says, I, I want to see potential fulfilled. God has a very high view of people and what people can become through him. But also, God doesn't pull any punches when it comes to how broken the world is and how messed up people are when they are left on their own. He doesn't pull any punches at all. And some of us know this to be true. If you look at James chapter 3, 5 through 6, it speaks about how we as people, when we speak the tongue, it has great capacities for all kinds of evil, Analogies are drawn between the tongue of a person, the words that are spoken, and how it can direct a person's life like a small rudder on a giant ship. Or like a small spark, it can set an entire forest on fire. This tongue, it holds the capacity to move people and to tell people and to direct people and to offer people advice that will really lead to destruction. It's really kind of dark. It's kind of intense. 
The Bible, it doesn't pull any punches. In fact, it says this about the human tongue, which is the, the storehouse, the place from which words flow. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And some of you here in this place, you, you, you know that to be true. Have you ever heard of the terms self-fulfilling prophecy? Or maybe even right now, you can pinpoint a moment in your life where you were told something, and maybe it was something to the negative, which it just cannot get out of your mind. And you find yourself still to this day struggling because you were told that you were not going to amount to anything. That you will never be loved. And maybe it's not even an outside word being spoken on you. Maybe it is your own word to yourself that you are saying, I am unlovable. I cannot keep my marriages intact. I am unlovable. I do not have value. There is no one for me. I can't amount to anything. I work hard day in and day out, and my employers don't recognize that. My life is worth nothing, and the list goes on and on. Prior to me becoming full-time here at this church, I worked as a 10th grade academic advisor at a cyber charter school, so K through 12 school. And I had all the 10th graders who were failing the class uh, all their classes, really. If you had one F or more, then you were under my care as an academic advisor. And I had one mission and one goal, and that was get kids to pass their classes. Do whatever it takes to get kids to pass their, their classes. And right when I was coming on to full-time here at this church, I sent out a message to all the kids who I've been talking to for a long time and who I've been loving on for a long time and believing in for a long time. Why do I believe in them? Why do I love on them? It's because God has value, has placed value on them, and has made me to love them when maybe they come from the worst homes and situations and environments that we can see on this earth. But I sent this message to say, hey guys, I'm, I'm going to be leaving Palks, and I'm going to miss you, and, and, I, and I care about you guys. I know you can do awesome things. And I got this message from this girl, this girl from inner city Philadelphia, Troyana. And Troyana, oh, I see so much potential in Troyana. And I see that she can be a world changer because I can't help but see her as God sees her now that I have found God. And she sent me a message that might sound kind of cliche to you, but I'll be honest with you, it came up in, in my inbox and so I have to tell you it. She said, I grew up being told that I was going to be a failure my entire life. Literally, everyone around her was failing, falling into drug addiction, prostitution, and gangs where she was from. And she was literally living out what it was that was told to her. She was failing all of her classes, all of them. This place that, uh, of speaking, uh, of words that come from people, that derive from people. The Bible doesn't pull any punches, it is a deadly poison. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. It doesn't even have to be just the negative thing, like you're a failure. Sometimes it's poison that's wrapped in chocolate where it seems like it's good and sweet, like this is what your life should amount to. You need to be the best mom ever. And if you're apart from God, you will find that that is poison to your soul, that you will never live up to the expectations of your kids on your own. You cannot be what it is that you are aiming to be. 
this menu that comes from the words of people that you are going to be nothing, you're going to fail, you're going, you have to be the best mother, you have to do this all on your own, on your own, on your own. Oh, it's a, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Simply stated, and, and, and it, it comes everywhere, people's words. It might show up in marketing campaigns, on billboards, where you look at an image of, of, of a model or something on TV, and you say, if I don't look like that, then I do not have value that I have not arrived, I'm not as I'm supposed to be. Those are all messages that are being thrown out, the words and menus that we look at and that we consume that stuff and we find that it is killing us. Simply put, the world's menu, it won't lead to the good life. The world's menu will not lead to the good life and I'm, I'm almost willing No, I am 100% willing to say, if you don't believe it, then try it. Because it's only a matter of time. If you're eating garbage day in and day out, even if it's dressed in chocolate, (laughs) you will find over the long haul of your life, at the end of it all, you'll look back and say, I never found it. I never found the good life. There will be some sort of itch that hasn't been scratched. There will be some sort of void that wasn't filled a kind of chasm that exists in your life that was only meant to be filled with the good stuff. So the question does become at that point of, of, is there really a menu? If the world's menu, which is what we know, that's left, where we look left, right, up, like who we talk to, if the world's menu doesn't lead me to the good life, then which menu will? Is is there one? Is there one, honestly? Because this is bold. It would be a bold claim to say, There is, not just claims to be the menu that will lead to life, but actually is, claims and leads to the good life. The Bible. The Bible's big. For a lot of you who don't read the Bible, it's also very daunting. 66 books within one book. Some of you are are like, I have a hard time reading the comic books. I have a hard time (laughs) reading the magazine section. I have a hard time reading menus, period. I just don't like it. I hate to read. It's a daunting book. It's a big book. It's a lot of books in one book. It's all inspired by God. It's all many verses in the Bible. There is one chapter within the Bible that is the longest chapter. (laughs) Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And 119, it, it, it was written so that people would remember it. It's, it's very long. Like if, if I started, I, I didn't do this. I didn't do this, although I read it many, many times. If I were to start a stopwatch and read through the Bible, I wonder how long that would take. Cause, and I'm, you know, decent reader. Like, you know, not that fast, but decent. But it's, it's very long. It's like 176 verses or something of that nature. And it was written in the Hebrew language to be uh, an acrostic In a way that, and what that means is basically, it was written so that people would remember it. It was something, this longest chapter of the Bible was written in such a way that people, it was designed that you you have to remember this. You have to remember this. So when it comes to the world's menu and what the world leads to, the Bible says this place from which words flow, the tongue. It is a restless evil, and it is full of poison. And now we have Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Length is important. If it's long, it's important. (laughs) 
And if there's one verse that we could look at this morning to, to, to get like at the heart of what it is Psalm 119 is saying, what would that verse be? What would that verse be in relation to what we're asking right now of, is there a menu that exists that I can go to that will actually lead to life, that not only claims to lead to life, but actually will lead to life? This longest chapter in the Bible, is there a summary statement for us this morning that can give us some kind of hope right now? Because so, so far it's been pretty depressing. There is. Psalm 119 verse 103 says this. In comparison to the words that flow out of people's mouths, how the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Hold up. My experience says that people, they tell me how I need to live and I live that way, or I listen to myself and how I tell myself to live. And the Bible is saying that those avenues are really just poison that's ultimately not going to lead to the life that I was designed or wanting to live. But there exists these words that is sweet in comparison to poison, sweeter than honey to my mouth. What is the, what is the psalmist saying here? Who, who is your words? It's God's word. God's word is sweet to my taste. It's sweeter than honey to my mouth. Not only is it not like poison, it is actually sweet and desirable and pleasing to my taste. God's word. What is God's word? It's the Bible. God's word is the Bible. That from this menu, we can find the way to life, it leads to life. I grew up in a very specific, conserv- uh, not conserv- like a very s- small subset of Christianity. That was awesome. I want to tell you that. Like I loved my upbringing and it was awesome. I was a church kid. I was a pastor's kid. And there used to be this thing called JBQ, which stands for, did anyone grow up in the AG and know what JBQ is? Anyone? Okay. Junior Bible quiz, which means you have this, this pack of questions and they're 10 point, 20 point, 30 point, and they ask you these ridiculously hard questions in the Bible and you have to like name all these facts about it. And I'll never forget the very first question I ever learned, 10 point question. I was a real go-getter. <laughs> didn't start with the 30, I started with the 10. You know, you got to. Just grab the first one. Very first one out of, out of the pack, very first it's got to be important if it's all the way at the front, very first. It says, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? The Bible is the inspired word of God and his revelation to man of himself and his plan of salvation. Correct for 10 points. 10 points. You don't have to clap, but you could have, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> the Bible is the inspired word of God and his revelation to man of himself and his plan of salvation. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all the scriptures are God-breathed. That God, he reveals himself to people through the scriptures. That you can know something about God through the scriptures. That there is something good in the scriptures. It leads to a God who is good, who gives life 
who, who gives good things, good eats, as opposed to a world that is full of deadly poison. There exists this menu that leads to this God who gives good things for us as people. And the psalmist seems to be obsessed with that truth. It's like if you live, you, some of you might know this term, a food desert. It's like if you live in a food desert where there isn't a lot of grocery stores, or in my case, let's talk about food desert as being like a place where you don't have a lot of good restaurants. Thank goodness it isn't the case in Pittsburgh. Got a lot of great restaurants. I love Pittsburgh's restaurants. But if you live in a food desert where there aren't a lot of good restaurants or not a lot of good options or not a lot of good grocery stores, when you find that place that is good, when you find that menu that is good, it's so true, isn't it, that you just become kind of obsessed with telling people about that. At least I'm that way. When Burgatory was made in, <laughs> in Waterworks, when that first came, came out, Burgatory, I was like, hey, you gotta go to Burgatory. If you like burgers, you gotta go to Burgatory. Burgatory's incredible. There's something about being obsessed with like telling people the thing that you have found in the desert. Like we have finally gotten a good burger place here in Fox Chapel. Like it's awesome. In the Waterworks, we finally got something other than Chili's. And I love Chili's. Chili's has got a good burger, you know? <laughs> But he becomes obsessed with this fact that there exists this word, God's word. And what God's word is, is, is just, it leads to life. It leads to the good stuff where all around me, all I hear is people talking or my own words. And that's like deadly poison. What is it that the psalmist says? If you were to go in Psalm 119 and start highlighting what he talks about the Bible and, and what he says about the Bible, I would encourage you to do that. Go to Psalm 119, get a highlighter, and every claim he makes about the Bible and what it does for him, I would encourage you to highlight that. But I'll save you a bunch of time this morning and read you a bunch of what he says. He says, this, this word of God is righteous. I find delight in it. I get understanding from it. It is trustworthy because it is true. It preserves my life. It is eternal. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It gives me hope. It is the path to purity. It counsels me. It strengthens me. It's good. It creates freedom in my life. It gives me comfort. It teaches me knowledge and good judgment. It stands firm. It endures. It makes me wise. It gives me insight. It is my heritage forever. The joy of my heart, it's right. It's wonderful. It leads me in the correct direction. It gives me teeth. Uh, teeth. Peace. <laughs> so powerful a moment ruined with teeth, right? <laughs> Nothing can make what it says stumble. It sustains me. It sustains me. This word of God if you go to Psalm 19, which this is a nice reminder because Psalm 119, just hack off one of those ones and then you can get to where I'm, see? Really summarizes, I believe, Psalm 119 very, very well. Very concise. Very punchy. About the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord, it is pure and endures forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. The Bible is the menu that leads to the good life. The Bible is the menu that leads to the good life. 
While there are many words that come from people, and while there are many people with words coming to our own minds, there is one word that comes from God. We have it. We have God's word available to us. We have the Bible available to us. Which then it does beg the question, and I want to invite the worship team to come on up this morning. It begs the question of, of why should I believe it? That even the claim that this is the true source to, to lead to righteousness and goodness and purity and these bold claims that exist within the Bible, of course they're going to exist within the Bible claiming these things about itself. Why should I believe it? And that's a valid question. Why should you take the Bible at its own word, that God at his own word, why should you believe it? It's because, if you remember my JBQ answer, the Bible is the inspired word of God and his revelation to man of himself. The Bible, it reveals God. It is God's revelation of himself. But it is not the only revelation that God has made of himself. There's a general revelation where you go outside and you can look at the stars and the sun and the trees and that's a general revelation of God, meaning it doesn't give you a name that this is Jesus who created all of this, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the triune God. You can't go outside, look at the stars and say, Jesus, he died on the cross for me and he loved me. You can't get that by playing around in the sand. You can look at it and say, wow, there's something much bigger. There's a God who exists. But there's a specific revelation that God has given us about himself, who he is, so we can know him. And that is the Bible, but it's not just the Bible. John 1.14 says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God, he reveals himself to us through his scriptures. And he shows us how to live, that what we should be gravitating to as people, what we should be consuming and rejecting as people to live the good life, to get the good eats. But how do we know that it's trustworthy? Why should we follow the claims of the Bible, the directions of the Bible? It's because the word was made flesh and he made his dwelling among us. God, he revealed himself by coming to us. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus, he came as God's revelation to say, this is who I am. The same God who exists in the scriptures. He came some 2,000 years ago to reveal himself to you and to me. And his name was Jesus. And you know what he said? He said, I do not give to you as the world gives. I don't give to you as the world gives. Your experience tells you that the world gives you deadly poison. I have come that you might find life. I have come that you might find that you are loved, that you are cherished. That I have provided a way and guidance for you to live. That you might not die, but have life and life everlasting. That you would be able to consume the good stuff when the bad is just so readily available to you. To eat the best food, you need 
the right menu. To eat the best food, you need the right menu. So many of us keep going back to the words that have destroyed us instead of going to the word that will build us. God, he wants to break the chains around your life that are consuming you and that are holding you. We keep going to these dead ends and to these awful menus. The psalmist said in 119, that I have found the right menu. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your words, God, are not like the world. They are sweet to my taste. They are sweeter than honey. God was laying this on my heart. All this weekend as I was in staff retreat. You know, you have as a preacher your message made. (laughs) It comes from God and and you're praying on it. And then he just was driving this into my head all weekend. And I believe it's got to lead to life for someone here this morning. It's this, measure the menus. Measure the menus. So oftentimes we leave the good stuff on the table or at home or nice and dusty on our nightstand and we go out into the world where we're observing all kinds of menus written on billboards and coming from our coworkers, seeing it and hearing it from the news. But instead, we need to pick up the word of God and let that be our measuring stick and measure the menus. We gotta measure the menus. There exists, and you need to hear this this morning because it is hope. There exists a way that will lead you to life If you have experienced nothing but the poison of this world, there is a way that leads to life and his name is Jesus. When you come before God and you recognize what it is he did for you and for me on the cross, that Jesus, he revealed himself to us by coming in a person, Jesus, fully God and fully man who lived a perfect life for us when we were full of deadly poison and he died in our place while that deadly poison we possessed, what the Bible calls sin, was leading us toward a trajectory and full justice, which was death. Jesus, he died our deaths for us and he conquered death by raising from the grave so that when we put our faith and trust in him, now we can experience life to the full that now instead of spitting out deadly poison, we can now breathe out the word of life, the word of God, that we can be that kind of sound piece where God uses us to build others up. We can look at God and his sacrifice when asking the question, how can I trust the Bible? I can trust the Bible because Jesus, he died for me. And if Jesus died for me when he didn't have to, then he must have what's best for me in mind. That when I read his laws, when I read his guidance, when I read of his ways, then this isn't a God who wants to suppress me, but this is a God who wants me to experience life. That who wants to come into my life and be like milk and honey as opposed to the poison. We need to measure the menus. 
Christian, do we know God's word? It's hard to measure the menus if you don't know what the menu says. Everything that we see, everything that we hear, needs to go through the filter of the proper menu, the way that leads to life. This is the kind of ground that we stand on as Christians, ground that is solid. And the question is, do we know God's word? If God's word is this good and this righteous and leads to hope and peace and all these things, do we know it? We have got to be in the word as Christians. We have got to be reading God's word with intentionality and with fervor, with hunger, with excitement. We need to pray out to God before we read his word. Holy Spirit, God, would you illuminate the word that I might understand it? Be honest before God. Be humble before God. That God, I have a hard time with this. Would you help me? And read and digest this word in healthy community and you will find that this word will lead to the true source of life, which is God himself. To eat the best food, you need the right menu and the right menu is the word of God. In the midst of many menus in this world, the right menu is the word of God. We need to digest it. We need to take it in. It is the good eats that will lead to life and life everlasting. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us. It's hard to hear through all the noise and all the, see through clearly through all the menus that are before us. God, I pray that you would rip down those menus and those things from wh on which we have consumed and taken in. God, I pray that you would wipe it clean here and that the truth of your word, a God who loves us, a God who died for us, would reign supreme in our mind that we might come to your word with a new kind of hunger, a new kind of expectancy, a new kind of desire, God, that we would find you in the midst of reading your word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that we aren't left in the messes of our own mistakes and sinfulness, but that you provided a way out. God, help us. We pray. We want to turn to the right menu so we can eat the good stuff. And we know that it is you who is good. Only you who is good. Help us, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.